Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday, the 15th of October, 2023. That puny human was laying down smoke cover for a full frontal assault. If you hadn't bundled me out, I could have died horribly on the field of battle for the glory of the Santaran Empire. It was a stage effect, Strax. He was using the smoke to hide how he got them to disappear. A stage effect? That's what passes for entertainment, is it, on this backward planet? Trap a human, paint it blue, blow everything up and run away. Here they come, Benji. Thank you for joining us. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast, all for the love of stories. In a few moments, Benji and I will be chatting about how we haven't seen each other recently, in, in the flesh as it were, even though we went to the same event. Ships in the night. After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of the Doctor Who audio novel Emancipation of the Daleks. Uh, 12th Doctor story by Jolly Morris and narrated by Dan Starkey, with some bloke we know as the Daleks. Oh. A colored mutant. Then we go behind the scenes with the Paternoster Gang, Trespassers, Rogues Gallery, The Ghost and The Potato Man. Featuring impossible heists <laughs> and a baffling music hall act. Oh, it's released on Tuesday, the 17th of October, by the way. Hello, my name's Katrin Stewart, and I play Jenny Flint. Well, following that, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Your comments and thoughts are inadequate responses. Oh. <laughs> also available, uh, Torchwood Odyssey, released on Thursday the 19th of October, starring Claire Rushbrook as Ida Scott and Silas Carson as the Ood. She's a scientist who's excellent at her job. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount, skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. What will it be? What will it be? Well, I won't ask again, but here's a clue. The doctor is recognised. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week it's from The Paternoster Gang, Trespassers, Rogues Gallery, The Ghost and the Potato Man by Barnaby Kay. Well... I think we have learned something significant tonight. That momentum is an exceedingly destructive force. That Galdor's disappearing act isn't a trick. But why lay down smoke cover if there's nothing to cover? Just before we carry on, I'd just like to apologise to Benji that my typing on this script has been terrible. I've spotted <laughs> about 15 mistakes already, but we're soldiering on. Um, Benji... Uh, you and I both went to the premiere of Hammer's great new film, Dr. Jekyll, starring Eddie Izzard, in the biggest cinema in London's Leicester Square, and uh, we didn't at any point see each other, did we? No, I was, I mean, I was on big finish row, you know, it was, uh, it was a wonderful row in the cinema that uh, had uh, Ken Bentley was there, oh, yes. uh, John Ainsworth was there, Emily Cook was there. Jacob Dudman was there. Yeah. I um, think I think she he was uh, Emily's plus one. Yeah, yeah, he was, and uh, and there was no Nicholas Briggs. Nicholas Briggs, I believe, was up up in the uh, the seats above us uh, with a, a view of our the tops of our heads. It wasn't um, a better seat or anything. The better seats were. Well, were you in the stalls? 
Yeah, I was oh, in the stalls. Oh, I was in the circle, but there's like a royal bit to the circle where all the important people were. That looks like a restaurant, you know. There's big oh, wow. tables and chairs, but yeah, I was just, I was just a very, very long way away from the screen, it basically. Were, yeah, but you know, all this comes about because um, you were all invited because uh, Jamie Anderson is the uh, chief creative officer for uh, Hammer Films now, and he uh, asked me if there's anyone I would uh, recommend to come along. So I recommended oh. a whole load of people. And so those invitations all went out at the same time. So when you all responded, it just meant that you all got seated next to each other. Whereas I'd, I'd already responded and I had um, inadvertently, almost simultaneously responded at the same time as Jamie's mother, Mary Anderson. And so I was sitting next to her. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah, so it was all down to when you RSVP'd, basically, what you got out Red socks, velvet pants, allocated. yes. Yeah, yes. What? <laughs> RSVP, Red Sox Velvet Pants. Oh, well, I was wearing a velvet suit. You were wearing a velvet jacket, weren't you? Yeah, it's all great, great things. But it was a fantastic time. It was yeah. really great fun. And uh, it's just a shame I didn't get to see you. Like ships Crazy. in the night. We were we were there, but we weren't there. I know. And then we went to... There was a big posh after party afterwards, which, of course, was far too loud and full of young people. So I ran away as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I stayed for a remarkably long time, but I was so grumpy. Well, it's, it's, if, if you don't like loud music, then it's I sort of, you, you know, if you don't like duck, you're rather stuck. Um, if you don't like loud music, you know, that was Forty Towers. Um, <laughs> if you don't you. like duck, you're rather stuck. Um, but it was great fun. It was a beautiful building yeah. uh, with lovely loads of sort of wonderful sort of ivy and plants. It smelled like a florist shop, I thought, in there. Yeah, and all um, the sort of was... frightening lighting. It, it was like we were in a Hammer movie. This is the big relaunch of Hammer as purchased by John Gore. So, yeah, I think there's great things ahead. It certainly made a statement. But I mean, the, I mean, the, the real thing we should be talking about here, Nick, is the film itself. Um, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was quintessentially hammer horror. Um, I just loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was great. There's so many brilliant things about it that it's impossible to list them all. But I would like to uh, pick out Blair Mowat, who Ooh, did the yes, score yes, yes. for it. Full orchestral, just terrifyingly good. Uh, brilliant uh, I, I wrote to him and, and told him how brilliant he was but I think he already knows that but uh, probably nice for him to have it confirmed uh, by me <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounded important. so brilliant in the room as well didn't it it was so the, the, the low end the bassiness yeah. and that which, which rocked the seats it was a really you could, fe you could feel uh, the, the music in, in your bones which is great and, proper class you know yeah. with some wonderful performances and you know it's just I thought it was a, re a really great film and, uh, you know, it was just a wonderful experience to, to do that and be a part of that. So, you know, I'm grateful to you, grateful to Jamie. And I I'm so, so relieved and, and happy to see that Hammer is in safe hands yeah. and has a 100% has a bright future because it was just, it, it was, it's bold, it's back and it seems very confident. So I'm, I'm thrilled. It's lots of exciting things ahead there. Yeah, brilliant. Really looking forward to it. And I'll tell you what else I'm looking forward to, Nick. Yes. It's the Good Review Guide. <laughs> Finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. That segue is solid gold. Well, do you know, talking of segues, yeah. just before we move on, yes. um, you'll never guess what I saw the other day. I, I went to the pub um, for that's lunch. startling in itself, Benji. I know these things never happen. But there was a, a man there uh, who'd gone to to the pub and was leaving the pub on a Sinclair C5 
So not quite a segue, but... Uh... Well, close enough to a segue. <laughs> uh, the, the, the precursor to a segue. One might, the original, well, uh, you might say. But you wouldn't feel safe in those things, would you? They look like little small plastic toy cars, slightly big enough to uh, <laughs> sit but in. Of course, it looks like something from Doctor Who, doesn't it? It's yeah, just yeah. such a... A sort of a particularly the... rubbish Doctor Who episode, I would say. Oh, I don't... It looks... It's, Are there I, any? I think it, no. I think it looks phenomenal. I, I love the design of it so much, but it is hideously uh, unsafe. God, you'd just um, be sh- crushed and shattered with plastic shards, wouldn't you? Just a lorry accidentally turned left in front of you. I think, though, it's the type of thing that if it was made... If the Sinclair C5 was made, like, ten years earlier, it would have 100% been featured and used by John Pertwee in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that type of thing he, he would want to do. When this guy uh, pulled up, was there a glockenspiel playing? <laughs> <laughs> no, there, he was actually a very nice man, and he was saying all about his... He had one for sale, and I thought, oh, I'm... A-. No, that's stupid. Yeah, how much um, for though? How much would you? Uh, under a grand, actually. <laughs> I thought you said a hundred grand for a moment. No, no, so under, under a grand. A grand oh, right, yeah, well. but then I was like, no, because it, it, I'd feel like a complete wally, and um, <laughs> it's hideously unsafe. Um, apart from that, it's a winner. Apart from that, it's a winner. But I did think it was quite it must be quite fun trundling down to the pub in that. Yeah, you know, Go, going back. back after a few pints, even more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, the, uh, they, there's probably an anti-zigzag feature that you can just, you know, that Sinclair put in there. I, I, after commending you for that great segue, I've completely spoiled it because now no one knows what's happening next. It, it's yes, good, it's all it's all gone wrong, it's but it's, it's guide, all right because yeah. it's the good review guide. It's fine. Don't worry about it, you know. And as promised, this week we're looking at Emancipation of the Daleks. From Big Finish Productions... Doctor Who, the Big Finish audio novels, Emancipation of the Daleks. The beam of the sonic picked out something circular, bulbous and wet. A single eye. It didn't react, even when the doctor shone the light directly into the pupil. Whatever it was, it was dead. By now, Bill had put her hand over her mouth, using her thumb and forefinger to block her nose. Oh... What is it? A car-led mutant. Deceased. The sphere must have been acting as a life support. So, when I knocked it out... The doctor almost sounded disappointed. Which is lucky for us, because they're usually more resilient. You've seen this before, then? So have you, Bill. The light of the screwdriver drifted over the creature's appendages. Some of them were clamped into the lower section of the sphere with restraints straight out of a medieval torture chamber. I don't think so. I think I remember. Khaled mutants are more commonly found inside their Mark III travel machines. Daleks. You mean those things with suckers that we saw? I certainly do. Now the doctor pointed it out, it did look familiar. But instead of a sucker, it had a pincer. So what are these? Their new improved Mark IV travel machines? Possibly. The doctor drew her attention to the brass hemispheres on the underside of the sphere. These, the undeniable product of Scarlet technology, they even have Dalek bumps. Bill crouched down beside him to squint at the glistening brain octopus sitting in its bowl of glue. And now they can fly? They can always fly when required, 
muttered the doctor. I thought I recognized the ship. A Dalek war saucer. War saucer? Bill stifled another giggle. Is that a thing? It explains a very great deal. If a Dalek saucer crashed 20 years ago, it would have changed the entire course of human history. How? By ending it. The doctor examined the instruments on the inside of the sphere. Bill guessed that they were what the mutant used to know what was going on outside and make the sphere go where it wanted. One Dalek saucer will be enough to conquer the Earth. No, scrap that. One Absolutely, and you can go to bigfinish.com and type emancipation. What a word to say. Put that into the search pane at the top to find this one. And first up, that's exactly what the cosmiccircus.com did. Brian Kitson, who says... This Big Finish audio drama was a good entry into the Doctor Who lore. For those who did not care for Capaldi's Doctor because of his gruffness, which sometimes came off as rude, it paints the Doctor in a new light. Brian, these are your words, not mine. Uh, You see a bit of uh, that carefree attitude that usually associated with David Tennant or Matt Smith's years as the time-travelling alien. Through the writing, uh, you also feel completely immersed in this adventure with descriptions and dialogue that paint a world that you can easily see in your mind's eye. Lovely with you. Thank you, Brian. I mean, I would say that it isn't an audio drama. It's an audio book, enhanced. Um, And also, uh, having heard it, I don't really see... I mean, I think it's a very accurate portrayal of... uh, the Capaldi Doctor in this, and Dan Starkey does a brilliant work. Anyway, uh, I'm not here to disagree with you, Brian. I'm just here to thank you for existing and writing that. Uh, glamadelaide.com.au Rodney Havatin says, This is a great adventure for fans of the Capaldi era, and it will chew up many car or bus trips quickly. Four out of five. Not bad. I think it's like seven hours long. It's not like seven hours long. It is seven hours long. <laughs> It's like seven hours, but it's, but it's just seven uh, hours and ten when minutes. I was, when I was at that uh, Hammer party and the guy was standing there with drinks, free drinks, uh, I said, oh, what's that? He said, uh, it's like a gin and tonic. I said, is it a gin and tonic or is it like a gin and tonic? <laughs> Turned out, actually, he wasn't being a young person and saying it's like a gin and tonic. He actually meant was, well, it's sort of like a gin and tonic because it didn't have any gin in it. But there you go. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was very. It was more like an elderflower cordial, am I thought. I went but, to um, the beer instead. I went to beer. I didn't have any beer, which is very surprising. And um, we got one here, warpfactor.com. Matthew Cressel. Is it Cressel or Creasel? It's cre- It's. We've been through this a million times. I know. It's Cressel. I know. I just don't like getting people's names wrong. It. It fills me with dread. <laughs> um, Combining the audiobook approach of narrator-read prose with the sound designer music that have become hallmarks of the company's audio dramas, Emancipation of the Daleks is a palpable hit for Big Finish's audio novels. For fans of The Twelfth Doctor or Bill or timey-wimey nature of the Moffat era, it's the Dalek story you never knew you needed until you heard it. (laughs) And trust this reviewer when he says... You'll want to hear it. That's a nice bit of Cressel review there. Um, mm. Yeah, a palpable hit. That's Love uh, it. Death to the Daleks. Bam, bam, bam. bam. Yeah. There we go. Biggly uh, boggly boom. Uh, this is from Doctor Who Reviews.net. I, I managed to, you know, 
I'm really rubbish at reading words that are all put together, as we've discovered. And there are some really not very pleasant words that you could. There's one right in the middle that's really disturbing me. Anyway, uh, DoctorWhoReviews.net. Uh, Kyle says, uh, with Dan Starkey capably reading the story and providing strong vocals for a large contingent of characters alongside Nicholas Briggs as the Daleks. I'm still laughing about misunderstanding the name Emancipation of the Daleks offers incredible characterizations uh, characterization singular that exemplifies the very best of the 12th Doctor and Bill both together and apart aided by brilliant sound design and music to accentuate each scene and action Emancipation of the Daleks is a tightly paced and enthralling trip into the 12th Doctor era that provides another sterling example of the possibilities narrative depth and strength that this audio novel range can offer Caught your breath? <laughs> <laughs> SciFiBulletin.com, Alastair Stewart. Um, I don't know why I absolutely held on to that word, but apparently I did. Uh, Starkey's 12th Doctor is uncanny, from the chewy depths of Capaldi's voice to his cadences. I love the word cadence. Mm. Um, Starkey embodies the punk rock Doctor perfectly, and his bill shines with humour, wit, and kindness. And that's the companion bill. And that's not that he has a bill. Um, <laughs> it's not, not, a, not a, like he's a not duck. A, like, a, like some kind of strange duck-billed platypus. He's a budgie. Um, the budgie. Um, <laughs> Dan Starkey, the famous budgie. The famous budgie. Um, a complex story like this puts a lot on the actors, and they're both more than up to the task as is Steve Foxen's great sound design and music. This one is complex and dark and difficult. It throws you into the middle and trusts you to get to the sides. Uh, you should. You will. It's worth it. Nine out of ten. Oh, nice review from Alistair there. And yeah, Steve Foxen does amazing work on these Safe pair of hands. Oh. You always know it's going to come out splendid. It's going to be amazing with him. On social media, uh, at Andrew on sea air, I Air. You see, I can read that name because they put capital letters at the beginning of each of the words contained in it. Anyway, <laughs> I loved Emancipation. Uh, uh, every time, every, the problem is it, it sounds like somebody saying Andrew on the air, but in a, in a comedy see. German accent, doesn't it? You know, like <laughs> in 1970s television. Yes, it does. Uh, yes. Don't tell him, Pike. Uh, I loved Emancipation of the Daleks at Johnny Morris 1873's script. 1873's uh, script uh, brilliantly explores the 12th Doctor and double bill, uh-huh, combining elements of the RTD and Moffat eras with at Dan Stan Darkly, oh, which is Dan Starkey's handle on Twitter, I imagine, delivering, oh, sorry, X, X, uh, delivering a magnificent narration. This is by far my favourite Doctor Who audio novel johnny morris great writer great writer great guy fantastic guy so talented isn't he he's great um uh louisel gall says uh it's a lot of fun it's the dalek story for series 10 and dan starkey's impression of 12 is seriously on point love a classic paradox story and love this era of doctor who for out of five you see i think that's louise legall not louisel gall that name sounds funnier though doesn't it <laughs> yes you're right um at jenkins 100 rose okay uh, just finished doctor who emancipation of the darks from big finish wow just wow 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 wow, wow. wow. next Wowza. week the good review guy will be investigating more reviews uh with classic doctors new monsters the stuff of nightmares <laughs> 
Coming up soon, listeners' emails, Torchwood Odyssey and the Randomoid Selectatron. But first, let's go behind the scenes with the Paternoster Gang, Trespassers, Rogues Gallery, The Ghost and the Potato Man by Barnaby Kay. I'm Dan Starkey and I play Strax. Galdor and the Ghost, Bonnaroo. Glad you turns are in the servant's lurk. Pack it in now, or I will tell everyone that you are a fop and a coward. You wouldn't. Have you stopped? I have. Jenny has been kidnapped, and we need you more than ever. Well, the script we're recording today is called The Ghost and the Potato Man, and um, it's a nice little detour back to um, back to the world of musical. Familiar, of course, from uh, from uh, Jago and Lightfoot, and uh, even further back from the towns of Wang Chiang. But uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a really nice take on a story, and also Ellie from uh, Jago and Lightfoot with the excellent Lisa Bowman, sort of making making a guest appearance, which is which is lovely. And um, it, it's a really fun story. It's it's got a really it's got a really nice use of language that really evokes the sort the particular register of that period. Obviously, the musical, the slightly unusual, slightly larger than life character that you see there, lend themselves this kind of um, to that to, to that kind of that kind of incursion. Hello, my name is Barnaby Kay, and I wrote The Ghost and the Potato Man. There was lots of rich material for that period and that place to mine, and, and also all the gangs and stuff that were going on at the time, and, and all that, that was called great research. So very exciting time to, to look into, and very enjoyable to, to read about and to, and to formulate a story from. This story's got this wonderful sort of combination of the, the, the demi-monde of London and the music hall as well, and um, and also the, the world of the world of uh, Polari, the sort of backstage world as well. That sort of Strax finds himself ingratiated within by, uh, by you know, so it, it's got a lot. It's got a lot, a lot of lovely, very very Victorian influences all sort of uh, all, all dovetailing together. And I particularly like the use of Polari, which is the sort of the theatrical language um, they use backstage. Sort of like a, I don't know if anyone remembers around the horn from the 1960s. So like uh, I'm Julian. This is my friend Strax. It's kind of a. It's got it's got a wonderful. It's it's, it's got a wonderful. Um, it sits in the mouth very nicely. I quite quickly struck on the idea of having Strax. Be, you know his his way of speaking, his insults, his constant insults, um, even when they're meant as compliments, being up on stage in a comedy environment might be very funny. And I thought that sort of the inadvertent comedian is quite a nice device. And uh, and then coupling with that, I thought if he was up on stage with a comedian. I just thought, just maybe there's the twinkle of a of a love interest. So that was fun. It's great because we have such funs of doing all these stories, but work begets more work. Ideas beget more ideas, and it's uh, it's nice. We we came up with things, and we we're still we're still not tired of it. It's great. Hello, my name's Katrin Stewart, and I play Jenny Flint. It's just really fun. I mean, I'm recording remotely this time, so I'm missing a bit of the sort of contact with the other actors and watching them and making those you know making eye contact and giggling and having the looks that you'd have in the studio but I find myself sort of smiling or giggling to myself after most takes and it's just quite nice to have the pressure of or have the pressure off in a way obviously we've still got to do good acting and good performances but kind of with Big Finish and with this stuff Paternoster Gang stuff you can go quite far with it, which is really fun. My name is Lisa Bowman, and today I am reprising Ellie. Well, for those of you who don't know, Ellie was a regular in the Jago and Lightfoot series, which we did, I suppose you could say 14 series, but it's actually 13 and a bit, isn't it? And she is 
or rather was, who knows what's happened in the interim, the barmaid at the Red Tavern, which was a sort of meeting point for Jago and Lightfoot. And she got very involved in all the storylines. Back off, Granddad, or I'll carve you! There she is! Jenny! Here! I'm here! Pack it in! Move! Uh, Out of my way! Jenny! Over there, madam! Jenny! Help me! No! Lovely, well done. Um, and Lisa, brilliant, uh, sterling work just bouncing between Ellie <laughs> yeah, and the ghost because darling, they're not awesome. exactly closely <laughs> Well, that's all right. There was one particular series that I did that I'd, I'd, I'd sort of I'd forgotten how to do the voice and I suddenly went off off the, the scale up at the top. I was a bit too stratospheric. So uh, I, did, I did revisit it just to, to remind myself. And of course, you know, your, your voice ages. You know? And although it isn't hugely long since we did the audiobooks, it's still a case of pitching it just right. And um, obviously, it's interesting because when I first read it, I thought, oh, this is new. Where is she now? And uh, I think between us, we've invented a little sort of backstory that will probably not be explored too much, but enough just to um, visit the, the era again. And uh, of course, we, we did Jago Lightfoot and Strax. So she's encountered Strax before, which was, you know, plugging it, but it was a wonderful episode. <laughs> it really was. So it, of course, it's lovely to revisit her. Of course, you'll never get a spin-off at this rate. Hi, this is Joe Kramer, and I wrote the score for The Ghost and the Potato Man. A saving grace in the sound design and music for the Paternoster Gang in particular is that while it takes place ostensibly in Victorian England, it's not a docudrama, and it's not actually like a drawing room kind of piece, a Dickensian story. So while it evokes that period... We've got a lizard alien and a Santaran warrior involved, and there's electronics, there's scanners and lasers when the story calls for them. So I don't, I can bend the rules a little bit. Now, for example, in one of the episodes, Vastra is examining something in her laboratory. And I decided to, to, in the sound design, to have the laboratory filled with sort of bubbling, you know, boiling water and, and electromagnetic and mechanical kind of sounds rather than electronic um, beeps and boops. Because with no visual component, I need to pick sounds that are very evocative. You know, For example, I think you'll notice any time a character is in a jail cell or a dungeon of any kind in or a cave, there's always going to be dripping water. Um, it just, it's one of those sort of cliches of sound design, especially in audio drama, that you can't, it's, it, it does so much storytelling with such a simple sound. Hello, I'm Neve McIntosh and I play Madame Vastra. Greetings, Omis. What a bonner notchy. I'm fair jiggered and ready for me dip, if you'll pardon me P's and Q's. Stop it, Strax. It's a really lovely script, that, with all lots of really good Victorian languages, yeah. wasn't it? It's really nice. I love nice, all of that, yeah. yeah. They're just the... the... All furky-toodling. Furky-toodling. <laughs> yeah, because yes. it's uh, all that Vardy or... Don't oh, yeah, the Polari. Yes. Yeah, the Polari, that's right. Because it just it made me think of the horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Julian yeah. and Sandy. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know what that's... that means. Oh, look, Jill, Bona. Bona. Yeah, that made me giggle. It's great. Yeah, yeah. some great language in that. They keep yeah. really. Because Vastra yeah. isn't. Vastra's just like, what? But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but um, yeah. At least yeah, it's great to hear Strax doing it as well. Yeah, oh god, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favourite thing is the the words here: potato package. 
um, whatever that is. I just imagine well, it's this the potato man. Of, you see, I know, I know it is, but I'm just imagining a package full of potatoes. Well, it amused um, me. I try to amuse myself with those things. Well, and you amused me, so you've you've absolutely succeeded. Uh, just go to bigfinish.com and type rogues into the search pane at the top to find this latest Paternoster gang release out this Tuesday, the 17th of October. Right, well, it's time now for Listener's Email. That's right, and if you want a package full of emails, then, well, I'm not going to send you one, but you can send us one, and we may read them out, because that's what we do here. We read a package of emails out every day, and you can send them every to day. podcast at bigfinish.com. Well, every day you listen. Every day, every time you listen, you will hear them. Yes. Um, so, you know, I don't know what, what I'm talking about. Anyway, I just like the so, fact that I'm just doing it every day, even though there's only one podcast a week. Just sitting on, in your shed on your own, going... <laughs> And this next one is from John Boogleson. Um, Steph's out there going, what are you doing, you silly man? Um, yeah, send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. And that's what Miles Taylor did right. uh, with the subject here, the world of audio production. Um, mm. was, uh, this is seems enthralling. Mm. Hello to both of you, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hello. Um, despite having only recently discovered your weekly show, I've quickly become keen to find an excuse to write in. Okay. Whilst my awareness of the podcast is well overdue, I'm a long-time listener of Big Finish itself. All thanks to a freebie of The Mutant Phase ah. in my Doctor Who Adventures magazine when I was a wee-un. Uh, the, spe- <laughs> the specially recorded intro from Nick did plenty to entice this fan into many years of audio drama. I'm really, really pleased that worked, because goodness me, I worked hard on that. I had to condense uh, the mutant phase into one hour. Ooh, yeah. Not an easy task. It was, uh, it was a mad, mad thing. And yeah, I wonder what my introduction said. Just you go, I've finally finished this, so please like it. Please, please. Um, I'm sure it was I'm sure it was far less shouty. Um, as a budding, relatively young creative, I particularly wanted to ask you both how you found yourselves in the world of audio production. Oh. I'm familiar with Nick's beginnings on the audiovisuals cassette tapes, and I'm aware of Benji's work on similar fan productions back in the day but I wondered just how that led to the roles that you currently have. Would you say that the landscape of audio production has changed a great deal in the intervening years? I myself work in post-production for TV, however, the pool of audio drama has never ceased. Mm. There seems to be little guidance around uh, in terms of how to build a career in it, so do you, either of you have any advice for someone with an interest in learning more about sound designing, mastering and producing audios? Thanks once again for the comforting bonkers and joyous content that you've both brought to each Sunday. I look forward to hearing more. All the best and buck up! Hey! Miles. Wow. Back. Wow, he's definitely uh, got into the whole... Uh feel of the podcast there thank you miles i mean i would say that it's mostly luck i think you're right i think there's luck and you know i mean in terms of the key for me i think the the advice i always give everybody is to just keep making things and just keep keep doing things get involved in as many different things as possible if that's making fan productions and that's something you want to do then do that if that's picking up a microphone going out and making a documentary do that or if that's just just trying to get a bit of experience in doing things for other people 
Um, because as Nick said, a lot of it is luck and a lot of it is if you meet the right people at the right time, things work. You know, I mean, I would say outside of my work for Big Finish, 99% of the work that I get is from word of mouth and recommendation and, yeah. and people, other people saying, oh, this is the guy for you. And so really it's about if you get a good you know, reputation doing things, it will just grow and grow and grow. But, you know, I mean, when I started out doing what I'm doing, um, there wasn't a lot of resources really available in terms of... I mean, YouTube was around, but it wasn't quite as in-depth as it is now. Mm. And there were, like, there were some fantastic um, resources now. I mean, like, there's a great one which uh, I subscribe to called Mix with the Masters, oh. which is more um, musically approached. Um, but it's it's going in the studio and seeing how people have made certain sounds, ha- certain mixes. So, for example, something like Pharrell Williams' "Happy," you know that song. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. happy. It has a deep dive to the man who mixed that, and so he's showing his techniques and how he does things, mm-hmm. uh, and even things like that. When you go through it and see how people do things and watch them in the studio, you get an idea of how you can apply it to what you're doing. And so I think the key is if you can have a really strong understanding of the nuts and bolts of of what we do, which I'm sorry if I'm going into too much detail. No, no, this but is actually really fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's good advice, but, I think. I think, you know, the nuts and bolts for me, I always say this to everybody, and I know that you know people have to have a good grasp of basic editing, which is cutting things together. They need to understand EQ, which is equalization, which is the idea of bass, bass and treble frequencies, so balancing things out, understanding the relationship with how you can use both to advantage and disadvantages. And the other thing is compression, which is is essentially how you can you can make things quieter and louder. You can squeeze things, you can bring out certain things that might be lost in the mix, or you can suppress certain things. Um, but all of these have a great relationship together. And if, if you build up a really solid understanding of the essential basics of what this is, then the sky is the limit. Because in my opinion, where people fall at the, at the hurdle is they don't have an understanding of the basics. And then they go in and become overwhelmed because they, they can't, it's because they're already in the mix and they can't deal with it. So I would say have a key core understanding of what you're doing. Volunteer to do as much as you can. And the most important thing is have fun. That is really it. Have fun. And be be willing to jump into the mix to do things for people. Yeah. That's really good. That's my TED talk. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of it just, you know, it's the fan side of things is actually really good. Because if you can demonstrate that you can do audio drama for for fun even if just gathering around a microphone with a couple of friends which is essentially what we all did yeah Nick, yeah i know that's what you did you it know, is you're... absolutely and i would say this really not to not to blow smoke up you nick but um the <laughs> big audio drama has existed for such a long time but i would say and correct me if i'm wrong but i really believe that big finish and certainly well the audio visual stuff pioneered what is now modern audio drama because a lot of it was really studio-based and very old school in its approach. Um, we were talking about this with Lisa Bauman about the Archer's approach. Mm. But I really believe that Big Finish and audio visuals really champion this idea that it can be done in the box, computers and yeah, and yeah. using modern technology and different techniques of how we record stuff. It was stuff. just practicality, you know, for how we did it, you know. 
I think it was probably that when we originally did all those plays for fun that it was difficult to get people together to record them. So you just thought, how can we do this in as little time as possible? You know, so you immediately think, well, we'll do all the sound effects later because that just takes forever to do that kind of nonsense, yeah. you know. But yeah, I was thinking about it the other day when I first started learning to use a Porter Studio, four-track Porter Studio. Wowza. The cassette, oh you know. And I owe a lot to my uh, friend uh, Nick Layton, you know, uh, who I was at school with. And he had the Porter Studio and he let me use it, bless him. You know, I saw him doing it and he was keen to explain things to me. And yeah, I'd been messing around with tape recorders before that, you know, quarter inch tape and no multi-track ability and basically having three different cassette tape recorders lined up going into different inputs in the uh, <laughs> wow. quarter inch thing and playing them, finding ways of playing those, probably having them on pause and gently releasing the pause button so it didn't make too much noise while I'm still talking and doing all the voices. So, you know, when someone showed me something where I could record things separately on different tracks, this was like, oh, you've solved a huge problem for me. I couldn't <laughs> wait to get my hands on it. And I couldn't wait to one day afford a Porter Studio. I remember that was a big barrier. And then, you know, using little digital recorders. And then finally, when my digital recorder, which I'd done Sirens of Time on, broke down. I think it broke down while I was in the middle of doing the uh, sound design for the Genocide Machine. And I thought, I've, I spoke to someone, I think it was Harvey Summers, and he said, you've just got to get yourself a computer and get Pro Tools, mate. It will just change your life. He said, I know how enthusiastic you are. And he said, "You will. it will blow your mind and you'll love it. And of course it did. I just had. And it's been the most incredible adventure ever since. To me, uh, Pro Tools on a, on a computer is just like a, a magical tool that enables me to bring all the crazy stuff in my head to, to some kind of life. It's just so... It's my favourite thing, really, and it's the reason I do all these other jobs, really, to make sure I get to do that. <laughs> get to still be, yeah, be creative. It's paint was, you know, I was my thoughts when I create scenes. I think I've said this before. I imagine it like a kind of landscape painting. That's how I yeah. paint a picture in, in audio. Is to, you know, you build the, you put the background sounds in first. You put your characters in certain places, and then everything else is kind of sprinkled on top and. At the end, you have this landscape masterpiece, and I visualise it in in you know landscape. I think Jamie Robertson visualises it like a stage. I think he was uh -huh. saying how he has certain sides, like villains always on one side and heroes on the other, and you know there there are many things like that which I think are really interesting. But I think just playing around and like Pro Tools, obviously you have to pay for Pro Tools. You can have other great resources yes. like Reaper, for example, which is uh, you you can pay for Reaper, but it also has a, a free trial which never ends. Which so, is great, isn't it? I think that's a great way for people to learn. And as you said to me, Benji, Reaper can do everything Pro Tools does. I'm just, I'm just, if you set it up in the same way, uh, I'm just kind of stuck with it in my brain. I I, I learned to do it with Pro Tools, and now it's like, um, although every time I use Pro Tools, I find a different and better way of doing things. Pro Tools, you have to know. You know, my I, I had use to read Reaper the pretty manual. much. But yeah, well, that, yeah, well, you should. You know that. Like, I I use Reaper for my everyday stuff just because I I won't go into the details of why I there are ways in audio drama I think it is better. However, all of my keyboard commands and everything I use is Pro Tools for it because in the industry, Pro Tools is no matter what anybody says, Pro Tools is the king of the industry. You the idea of Pro Tools, people say. Oh, Pro Tools, it looks exactly the same and it's been the same for 15, 20 years. 
the point of Pro Tools is that you can go into any studio yeah. in the world yeah. and be able to do it. So you can be you could be in in Finland and somebody says, you know, Miles, I want you to edit this 25 minute long Doctor Who audio drama. Um, we've only got this microphone and Pro Tools. And you would say, hey, I can do it because I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so there are ways of working around it that you don't have to spend money because Pro Tools is an investment. Yeah, it does um, cost. I, yes, it co- You know, I pay for I pay for Pro Tools and I will continue paying for it because it's so useful to have. But I, the majority of my work is on Reaper. Um, that's just how I work. I know other sound designers use Logic because Logic comes. You can often get Logic with with Macs. I know some people use Cubase. Some people use Adobe Audition. There's so many bits of software, but. I would Logic recommend. is much more affordable and does everything um, uh, Pro Tools does. And it's, yeah. it's actually better for music, I think, uh, Logic. But I'm, yeah, Logic I'm, is much I'm easier just used for music. to it. Because I just do the Pro Tools thing, using any other program, no matter how uh, good it is, I feel like I've got a pair of gloves on and I haven't got as much contact you know what I mean with it as I have well, of course with Pro Tools but I mean yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's like anything well. isn't it it's 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 you know what, what you're used to working with and which is why I I think if you can and I wish in some ways I wish I my I wish my first experience was Pro Tools because my first experience was actually Logic mm-hmm. um, I wish my first experience was Pro Tools because I think I would love Pro Tools more than I do now but I would say my advice to anybody is just learn Pro Tools. Don't listen to people that say, oh, don't learn it. It's not worth it. This new bit of software is going to take over. It's just not. Pro Tools is, if you can learn it. You'll be able to do everything yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know. It's, I mean, it, I didn't look at the um, manual for Logic after I'd used Pro Tools. I, you know, just went, oh, right, it's like that. Oh, that bit's a bit different. No, but I get it. I, mean, I did use it for a while. I did it. I used it on a, for music on a couple of box sets of um, Survivors. Because I thought, well, I've got this on my computer. I might as well use it. It is nice for. It's lovely. I mean, I for it's got music great sounds now, in I, it, hasn't it? I use Ableton for music now. Weirdly enough, although I don't necessarily think it's great for orchestral stuff. But um, you know, there are so many different ways of doing things, and and it's finding your own path, really. So I wish you the best of luck with it. Um, you know, make it, and you might listen to all this advice and say, oh, I want to do it this way. And if you do, do it your way, because there is no right or wrong path. There are only things that can make you more effective, faster. And so. I would say this, Miles, get good at it. And if you want to work for us, send in uh, some samples of your work. It, but get good at it first. <laughs> know, know your apples. Know, know, know what you're doing. Know, you know, know your onions. No, And always reach out. You know, you're, you're always welcome to... I'm on X as La Bonge. Um, you can find me on Blue Sky now as Benji Clifford. Um, always on those things, oh, you know. Yeah, if you I'm on just... Blue Sky as well now. Yeah. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, you know, any of these things, shoot, shoot me a message. I'm always happy to help people out that that uh, need some advice or or just have a question, and I'll hopefully be able to help you because I I know that people took a chance on me. Nick took a chance on me. You know, I was uh, doing fan audios. Nick took a chance on me. Mm. Ian Atkins took a chance on me because he was the one who saw the email. Um, and I've been very lucky to be doing what Well, you've got to be good and you've got to be time. prompt. You've got to be able to do the work. You've got to be professional. You've got to be able to deliver. 
There are loads of, you know, when you do the audition for Big Finish, you get allocated half a day to do it. Because we sometimes discover that people do a brilliant audition, but then they found that we found that they'd spent three months doing it. And so they, you, yeah. have, to be, you have to be quick as well. Anyway, listen, uh, I hope that was useful. Next up, uh, this is from our good friend, Philip Edney from the Sirens of Audio. He sent this in slightly too late to get us for the reviews last week, the good review guys. So here's his review. It's, uh, the subject line is torture review of uh, archive entries uh, 031-049. Um, one of the greatest joys each month is discovering what new method of storytelling Torchwood is going to employ. As a series, it continues to grow in its maturity and creativity. Restricted items archive entries 031-049 pushes storytelling boundaries even further. Although the cover proclaims this as a full-cast audio drama, this is a bit of an untruth. Well, unless you consider one person counts as a full cast. Restricted Archive is a masterful example of a one-handed play. For almost 60 minutes, you are catapulted into the world of Torchwood, and something that at first could seem so mundane, cataloguing alien artefacts, begins in a humorous way, then becomes suspenseful and finally thrilling. The author of this play, Maddie Wilson, is new to Big Finish, and currently this is her only contribution. But with her gift of storytelling, hopefully it won't be long before she returns. She manages to plant clues throughout the story which pay off to great satisfaction by the end. By hiding things in plain sight, you don't see what she is about to unleash. The star of the play is Gareth David Lloyd, reprising his role of Yanto Jones. Gareth continues to create a fully rounded character with pathos, humour and bravery. Through his eyes, we see the rest of the Torchwood crew and we see the danger that lurks in the most mundane of tasks. This is another wonderful example of Torchwood and a must listen. It is worth replaying several times as well, as each time you will discover something new. Philip Edney, The Sirens of Audio. Lovely review, Philip. And it's just, yeah, I mean, Torchwood is such an innovator. Great stuff. Very proud that we're still doing Torchwood. Love the Torchwood range. So much fun. Uh, we've got one last message here from Stephen Wallace. The subject is Cyber Banks. <laughs> uh, dear BF, uh, it was just amazing to see, once again, David Banks and Mark Hardy on the big screen at the BFI as the cyber leader and lieutenant for the showing of the five doctors. True giant gents they were on the day, and to me, they are the ultimate cybermen. Uh, a while back, they reprised their roles in Warzone slash Conversion and Hour of the Cybermen um, for Big Finish. Uh, what a treat they were, and reminiscent of the much-loved 80s era. If I was Cyber Control, I would awaken them from their <laughs> Telos tombs and command them once again to invade the Big Finish Studios to cause us more audio mayhem. Earth! Earth will be destroyed. <laughs> uh, it will never exist as you have known it. By the way, these are Doc Martins. Um, <laughs> if, if you've got the silver Nemesis VHS, you'll understand that Stephen Wallace, Greenwich, location of silver Nemesis. Uh, yes, Greenwich yeah. Gasworks, I believe, was used. <laughs> it's probably been turned into some uh, swanky flats now. Uh, thank probably. you, Stephen. Uh, yeah, we absolutely should get David and Mark back. Uh, and I don't really know Mark. I'm not sure I've even met him. I would call him a cyber lieutenant, actually, not a cyber lieutenant. But, uh, there you go. Uh, but David, you know, I've yes, uh, spent a lot of time with um, uh, back in the day, 
and and I bumped into him at a convention quite a few years ago, which led to him coming to Big Finish actually, because he, as I've said before, but I suppose I must cater for people who don't listen to and remember every single podcast. He he said, "Oh well, no, Nick, you're you're the cyber voice now." I mean, I, I said, well, "There's no reason why you can't come back and do it. It'd be fantastic." <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, he already Excellent. had he already had the voice effect on him. Um, th- listen, that is it for the emails. More next week. Keep them coming because we love them. Don't forget, there's a drama tease involving the Potato Man coming at the end of the podcast. But first, let's see what's also available this week. It's Torchwood Odyssey. I'm Claire Rushbrook and I'm playing Ida Scott. She's a scientist who's excellent at her job. She's a very strong, capable, fearless woman who prides herself on being brilliant at her work. But uh, in this story, we uh, see the vulnerability that we haven't seen in her before, focusing on her relationship with her father. You shouldn't be in the spire unaccompanied. I'm not. You're here. Hi, by the way. Were you going to greet me properly? I shouldn't have to greet you at all. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I heard about your failed expedition. Of course you did. Failed so badly it fell into a black hole. Never hear about any of my successes. Mustn't be all that common. I blame the parents. And I think Ida probably knows he isn't even in at his most monstrous. He does reveal his own vulnerabilities and they're very poignant moments actually in this script where there's so much sort of um, wrangling and wrestling between them and so many sort of vociferous uh, words being shared but then occasionally you'll get a real uh, sort of chink in the armour where you know a vulnerability is exposed and I think that she probably can see that too but not necessarily know how to to act on it you know beautiful thing about this is although it's you know set in the world it's set in it's uh, we're really diving into family dynamics that um you know are the same wherever you are whatever planet <laughs> but um yeah this father-daughter uh, relationship it's really um being uh, beautifully explored in this. Your mother did the cooking at home. That's what ruined your palate. We're not talking about mum. How is she these days? On another of her pilgrimages, I expect. <laughs> Stellar of light protect her. I said, we're not talking about her. Hello, I'm Silas Carson, and I'm playing Odysseus Scott, who is the father of Ida. Um, brilliant scientist unmatchable in his qualities. Um, Also, irascible old fart. If I were you, little Ida, I'd keep out of my way. You managed to do that for most of your life, so now let me cure myself in peace. He would not say at all that he's evil, uh, and he wouldn't even say that he's an egotist. My take on him is... um, (laughs) predicated on my dad, actually. It was very easy to find this character and find this voice because I just had to go to my father. When my dad, back in 2008, which is kind of odd because that was the the year that I first started doing the voice of the Ood on the planet of the Ood. Uh, when, he, when my dad was dying in 2008, he was exactly like Odysseus. Uh, he was incredibly um, irritable and irascible and impossible to manage and kept reaching for bizarre... He was a doctor himself 
and he kept reaching for bizarre forms of um, therapy and medicines that he was convinced were going to cure him, and we all knew that he was dying. So exactly this kind of um, story has panned out in my own life. And looking back on that, I remember that my dad was none of the things that you might judge him to be. He was simply incredibly vulnerable and didn't know how to show it. So that's how I approach Odysseus. I think he's a brilliant scientist. Um, he's rather lost his way because deep in his heart he knows that he's dying and he's um, deeply vulnerable, which in somebody like him comes out as um, angry and rude and bullish and unpleasant. So I wouldn't describe him as uh, evil at all or an egotist. I'd describe him as extremely vulnerable and frightened. Gravity is gravity. Not out here. This is Faber, where the ground rises and falls like waves, where a great spire remains intact, where the resilient forged pure stillness at the heart of chaos. I think there's an air of theater you know, um, rep manager to, to Odysseus. I mean, that kind of pretension. And I, also coming from a different era, I think. You know, it's the kind of voice that comes from a different era, which is an odd thing to say until you look back at BBC newsreels or you listen to BBC voices. People had different voices at different times. And uh, Odysseus, I think, is one of those people. He comes from a different time, uh, as did... Uh, you know, theatre repertory managers, they come from a different time. So that kind of um, pretension, somebody who's terribly full of themselves and thinks the world of themselves, I think all of those elements are there underneath him. Listen to you. I wish you would. I'm telling you to leave. For believe me, the sound of Ida is much less restorative. Oh, but the sound of Odysseus Scott is a symphony of delight. Mm, well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Odyssey into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that is out this Thursday, the 19th of October. Meanwhile, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a Big Finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. And Ran is got? absolutely on it. It's a Cyberman not, story. It is a Cyberman story. What? I'm not. Jo- I'm not joking. But it isn't a. Uh, it isn't a, a David um, Banks one. A David Banks one. No, it's the ISOS network. Oh, that's me. It's, it's you indeed. It's by Nicholas Briggs, and it has you as the Cyberman alongside Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury. Oh, that's. Um, yeah. Gosh, I'll tell you so... an interesting thing which ties in beautifully, actually, just before we continue. Yes. Is that um, I it's was... when I had this one. <laughs> so good. Yes, it is. Interestingly enough, talking of advice, I was doing a convention once and I, I'd actually um, I'd got a copy of this on me, um, a CD of this on me, and somebody was talking at the hotel and said that they worked at the hotel and they said, oh, I'd love to get into that. I... I do lots of audio stuff, blah, blah, you know, like music stuff. I'd love to get into this. What sort of stuff do you do? And I had a CD of this, so I gave it to him. And I said, well, here's what we do. Have a listen to this. And and if that's the sort of thing, then check out Big Finish. Um, never heard back from him. <laughs> but, uh, I hope he enjoyed the Cyberman. Um, oh, that's a, that's a very <laughs> bad ending to that story. Uh, by the way, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Early Adventures. The ISOS Network. Prepare to breach atmosphere. All hands, prepare to breach atmosphere. Seal all pressure doors. Secure- 
minutes. Trust building to maximum burn. Setting angle of descent, now. Execute. Vast, shiny walkways stretched as far as the eye could see. <laughs> they really do travel much faster than your commoner garden slugs, don't they? Yes, but where are they taking us, Doctor? Uh, I have no idea. Who are these aliens? They are known as Cybermen. Jamie? Oh, oh dear. Do not move. Cybermen! Uh, uh, we mean you no harm. Uh, we surrender. You see, the thing is, Captain, I don't know anything about the disappearance of your colonists. So you keep saying. And yet an energy trace was detected on this planet. And when we arrived here, we discovered that energy trace was coming from some sort of crate that you freely admit belongs to you. They showed no mercy, the Cybermen. We must revive the Cyber Controller Unit for further instructions. The Doctor is recognised. Big finish. We love stories. Uh, this was me doing it for the early adventures, doing a slightly different thing using far more narration. And I have uh, Wendy and Fraser doing the narration, uh, sort of alternating in different scenes. So I think that, yeah, I just thought that would be a fun and different thing to do. And um, it's, it's uh, also, I was repeating a trick, or maybe this is the first time I did it, I don't know that. You know, like I did a story called um, The Conquest of Far, which happened directly after Planet of the Daleks. And I basically had the Doctor, when the Doctor sets the course for home, everything goes wrong and they, they end up on this planet far. And they go, oh, no, not Daleks again. We just, go, oh, God, you know. <laughs> we just done that. And that's what I did with this as well. It's at the end of the invasion uh, of invasion and uh, the cyber ships are all being destroyed and then the the, the doctor gets caught up f he s sees some escaping ships and he gets caught up following their signal and they find a place where there's an even bigger of course same story really, oh, an even yeah. bigger uh, cyber invasion force on the planet isos i also wanted it to feel like a kind of tv comic um comic strip you know that's that's just me something a little bit different yeah well it was fun and toby Ritzek Robinson did a fantastic job on the post-production of that. Um, listen, while I email Jackie Emery, content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection so that she can get the offer live on the Big Finish website, Benji, can you just tip us the wink as to how we get this discount? Mm -hmm. Certainly can, yeah. You just uh, head into the back of a van and... No, don't do that. Um, you go to bigfinish.com. Um, head over to bigfinish.com and go to podcasts on the podcast page. Once you're on the lovely, comfortable podcast page, just hit read more. Uh, and when you're there, it'll have a picture of us and underneath it'll say, just click here and enter the code buck up. And I often at that point say the word buck up out loud in the style of David Banks, buck up. Um, uh, there's no capitals, no spaces, there's no punctuation, no numbers, no pictures, no emojis, just buck up, B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that in and you will be able to get your discount, uh, which is, you know, really quite a nice thing to do. Ooh, that's great. I've, I've actually, I've preempted um, Jackie's thing where she says have a lovely weekend i've said have a have a lovely weekend i'm off next week by the way i've got time i've taken some leave um you're going sailing aren't you no 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 what well, oh. are we meeting up next week i don't know very possibly very possibly we need to have a chat about yeah, this what do you want to do do you want to come over here or shall i come to you 
Come over here. I'm coming over to you. I'm mind coming over to you. Well, we'll just work out. Since we we were in the same building twice <laughs> this week and didn't <laughs> so actually funny. meet. So totally, funny. Totally weird. Um, yes. Well, um, commendable work, Ran. I think. Sort of. I it is so. spooky how Ran is. Sometimes. Ran is on the pulse, you know. Ran, <laughs> Ran. In between Ran's mad moments where it suggests Toby Haydoke's who's uh, thinking of Bobby, yeah. um, which we can't offer you a discount on because they're free, um, <laughs> Ran does pluck up some fantastic things. It's amazing, isn't it? 25% off free. Does that, that mean we'd have to pay them 25% of them? Yeah, it would, just, it would just add a whole other layer of chaos to an already chaotic podcast. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm down for it. As of uh, next, as of now, uh, next week's podcast is uh, the called the Union. It's coming out on Sunday the twenty second. I'm having the week off, but of course on Friday we will record the podcast. So there's no rest for the wicked. That was something I was going to say actually about the whole editing and Pro Tools thing. You know, people say to me, "Do you still want to carry on doing the podcast? Nick, your workload is so huge." But I mean, I actually love putting the podcast together because I love <laughs> I love piddling around in Pro Tools. I mean, Benji never listens to it, but the other week when you were telling some, when you were telling the AI story that you'd you'd thriller story about <laughs> yes. Bridport and everything, I I put some nice music underneath it. So I love Aww. I love sort of fiddling around with stuff. So I mean, it's um, even though I do it you know, every, almost every Friday of the year. Um, I never really tire of it. You know, I know other people who've got their podcast and have eventually sort of contracted it out to podcast editors because they think, I just can't keep doing this. And I thought, I, I don't think I'd like to do it if I couldn't edit it. Well, it's, it's like That's doing the actual podcast. It's become such a part of our lives, hasn't it? It's like, yes. a, it's like a, a Friday ritual, and I, I do enjoy it. It's, yeah. it's like a day off for me. It feels like a... <laughs> but what I mean is it's a day of doing something completely different, so it feels very fresh. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm doing that on Friday. You know, it's a nice thing. Fresh and yet... The same. Anyway, um, it's Once and Future is out. Uh, well, the, the the latest Once and Future, the Union, um, don't the Onion. Don't, I was going to say don't mispronounce it as Onion, although I do like onions. Um, don't we all? But my wife doesn't. You know, she doesn't mind <gasps> when they're cooked, but if she gets mm. a salad given to her and it's got onions in it, I just get that these little knives and forks, knife and fork, come over to my plate where she just dumps the onion. My plate. I, I have to be in the mood to have raw onion because I have to. I have to know that it's worth having raw onion in order to stand having to taste it when I brush my teeth because I don't like that. That is a problem. That is a problem. Um, I would just eat raw onions if I didn't know that no one would come within three miles of me, which is probably the reason we didn't meet, isn't it? I'd probably had an onion. <laughs> And you could smell it in the cinema. Just Ooh, like, blimey, Briggs is up there. I'm not going anywhere. It's unbearable at this distance. It smells like a Big Mac upstairs. And we know <laughs> that Briggs is up there. I do love the onions, you know, with the poppadoms, where you can just have poppadoms and onions. Oh, yeah. Absoluto. Addictive. Addictive food. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, the union is out on Wednesday, the 25th of October. That's a scoop for this podcast. And it features Tom Baker, Caroline Ford, Paul McGann and Alex Kingston all playing pantomime donkeys. That's not true. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's the next big Be good podcast. though, wouldn't it? I mean, they, they do a fantastic job. Well, plus they, the fact that there's you know. no such thing as a pantomime donkey. It's a pantomime horse. 
Well, maybe there's a first for everything. In the meantime, it only remains for me to say that this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited, and I know he loves editing, this podcast. <laughs> In Pro Talks. And of course, Benji and I did this for the love of stories. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, the Paternoster Gang, Trespassers, Rogues Gallery, the Ghost, and the Potato Man. But I can pay, Vinny. Tell him. It's not him you have to worry about. My sister wants a word. Please, no. Get on the boat. The amazing Galdor. As I live and breathe. Veronica, please. I know I owe money a lot, I know. But my show is going well. I'm a big hit. You should hear them when I do the levitating thing, you know, when I go up like this. (laughs) They go wild. They're laughing at him, Vonnie. They're laughing at you, Arthur. They... Because you're shoddy. You're shoddy. And your magic show is shoddy. I'm not a magician. I am an illusionist. You're a low-down, jumped-up, niminy-piminy prig. <laughs> niminy-piminy. Ah! I should snuff you, Ambrose. Lord help me, I'm itching to do it. Put your lights out for the thief you are. Please. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. (laughs) No one's getting done in today. Calm down. In actual fact, Mr. Adams has a gift for you. A gift? Follow me. (laughs) What's down there? Most remarkable creatures, Arthur. We just acquired them from, well, from an overseas trader, shall we say. And Mr. Adams would like you to try one of them out. Why me? Because if they're half as magic as our trader says they are, Reg will have his money back off you by the end of next week. Because your act is about to get a whole lot more interesting. Wait! Wait! Come closer, you mouse. They can't get to you. They're in a cage down there. Oh, and you'll need these. Take them. What are they? Sonic cuffs. Gives you control of the thing. Not that I've tried it. One side goes on you, the other on your ghost. Ghost? Oh, yes. Did I not tell you? We've got a boat full of ghosts.
It takes all sorts, don't it? It takes all sorts! To what? Make a world. What? It takes all sorts to make a world. A human truism. Oh, look at this one! What's your name, lovey? Edward Montague Forbes. Oh, Edward Toffity Toff. Charmed, I'm sure. Stand up, love. Oh, he's handsome looking, Minnie Arted. You wet nurse know you're out, does she? <laughs> Here, listen. Young Ted lives his life at his leisure. He gambles and drinks beyond measure. He spends half of his days in his libertine ways and the rest at Her Majesty's pleasure. <laughs> I can't make my way now, my lovelies, but I think we've learnt again tonight that... It takes all sorts! Ta-ta! Little Annie Lee! Order, order, order your grub and bub from the dashes. We'll be back in a jiffy with more of our melange of musicality, magic and mirth. <laughs> order my bub from the dashes. Oh, hello, Mr. Strax. What do you want, boy? Uh, your bub is a drink, Mr. Strax, and I'm a dasher on account of me running about all the time. <laughs> it's slang, Strax. Ugh, slang. Good evening, Madam Bastra. Jenny. Hello, Ellie. Miss Higson. Is Mr. Jago not here? Oh, yourself and the professor have taken off on another cruise, madam. Something of a break, as I understand it. That's why I asked you to come. Is there trouble? It's probably nothing, but I want you to see the new illusionist act, Mr. Geldorf. I've heard about him, Mom. It's a disappearing act. All very convincing, apparently. See for yourself. He's on now. Hey, Ellie. We need some belly timber over here. Top top. Oh, no rest for the wicked. Dabs, dingers, gammoners, lend me your orbs. What? Now, let's have a little storm in the room, shall we? Eh? <laughs> now, what you are about to witness is going to scramble your tiny noggins. Please welcome on stage the amazing Galdor! Ladies and gentlemen, on his voyages aboard the Beagle, my mentor and friend, Mr. Darwin, discovered a creature whose existence entirely defied his theory on the origin of species. So he kept it hidden away. In his final breaths, he said to me, Galdor, my brother, I bequeath this magical spirit to you. Share it with the world. I am a man of my word, dear friends, and so it is my solemn duty to unveil to you the ghost. Oh, my. What a hideous creature. I don't think I have ever seen anything more beautiful. Would any soul here care to see us fly? Yeah! Yes! No. Behold! <laughs> And now, my friends, before your eyes, the ghost and I say our goodbyes!
That puny human was laying down smoke cover for a full frontal assault. If you hadn't bundled me out, I could have died horribly on the field of battle for the glory of the Santaran Empire. It was a stage effect, Strax. He was using the smug to hide how he got them to disappear. A stage effect? That's what passes for entertainment, is it, on this backward planet? Trap a human, paint it blue, blow everything up and run away? You think it was human, Strax? Legs, arms, face, indeterminate gender? Human! It was so blue, though. Not like any paint I've ever seen. I know that wonderful colour from somewhere, I'm sure of it. See who it is, Strax. Madam. Hello again, Mr Strax. <sighs> we don't want any of your gub or your brub, boy. Thank you. Strax? Strax! What? Oh, for goodness sake. Come in, Ellie. Oh, sorry to call round so late, but I didn't see you after and I, I wanted to know what you thought about the ghost. We were just discussing it. Beautiful, whoever it is. Well, everyone says he's just some poor soul painted up. But I'm not sure it's a person. He looked straight at me once and I got the strangest feeling. What sort of feeling? Sounds silly, but I felt like I wanted to cry. I might have felt something like that myself. And what about their disappearing trick? I don't know. Well, the odd thing is that no one's really seen them except on the stage. They show up right before they turn, then after, they're nowhere to be found. Is that so? Oh. Oh. <clears throat> uh, no wick for the wristed. Is she in? Who? Inspector Cotton. Apologies for the intrusion, but we have a bit of an ongoing situation. My hunch is things have rather strayed into your area of expertise, Madame Vestra. How so? We're experiencing some unexpected arrivals and some rather sudden departures. Oh, I do speak plainly, Inspector. It's late and I'm quite looking forward to some hot tea and a warm bed. Or perhaps the other way around. Hmm. As you wish, Mom. So, who are we talking about? It's Reg Adams's gang, Madam. The Vauxhall boys. Vonnie and Vinny and all that mob. They come over here on the rob all the time and we can usually nab half of them. But last few nights, they've been running rings round us. And this is happening now? Right now. I'm not three streets from here. Very well, Inspector. Since we still have our coats on, allons-y. Madam, may I suggest... No, come along. You head home, Ellie. We'll come and find you at the Regency tomorrow. Right home. Come on, Jenny. And don't worry. We'll find out the truth about your ghost. Stay in the shadows here. We can keep an eye. What are we looking for? A mark. Someone looking a bit flash. Should be a few still strolling about. What about them two? They flash enough? Yes. Keep your eyes peeled. Nothing. There, look. Corner Warwick Lane. That's where we just came from. It's Vauxhall Vonnie. Let's grab her. Wait! Madam, may I suggest... No. She's going after them. Wait! Hey! Get off! What are you doing? Stop! Let go right now or I'll stick you. Go! Come on, Strax. Run! Running! Stop! You'll have to catch me, pig! She's heading back to Warwick Lane. This way. Once I get going, it's difficult to change direction. After her, Jenny! Stop! Stop! She's gone back down the lane. (laughs) 
Where'd she go? Rather sudden, wouldn't you say? This is not my preferred method of detective work, Inspector. Any sign? Yeah, one minute, gone the next. Sounds familiar, don't it? I also have trouble stopping! Nice purse. Anything in it? Just chuck it with the rest. And take this thing off me, will you? I'm not going back out with it, am I? Do what you like with it. Within reason. Where is he? In back. Come on, you. Please, Hannah. Stop speaking. Well, I think we have learned something significant tonight. That momentum is an exceedingly destructive force. That Galdor's disappearing act isn't a trick. But why lay down smoke cover if there's nothing to cover? The smoke was not there to maintain the illusion. It was there to disguise the reality. But if the ghost is not a person, what is it? Where is it from? Pertinent questions we will put to Mr Galdor at the Regency tomorrow. And he was connected to it with some kind of chain. So is the ghost there under duress? Another excellent question. And why go through all the rigmarole of a musical act if you can make twice as much cutting purses with the Vauxhall boys? I think we should get some rest. Strax, make sure you fully recharge. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. Mum. Reg? What do you want? We might have a problem on the other side of the river. Go on. It's that detective, the one with the veil. She was laying in wait with that slop cotton. Damn near nabbed me. She's on to us, I reckon. Uh-huh. Reg? Did she have her maid with her? Maybe. But she didn't act much like the help, I wouldn't say. She's who nearly got her daddles on me. Yeah. Sparky, that one. The two of them have something of a close connection, by all accounts. Let's pick the maid up tomorrow. Have a chat with her. See if I can't warn them off. Tell me what's on your mind, or are you just going to thrash about all night? Sorry. What's troubling you? I can't get that ghost out of my head. Every time I shut my eyes, it's there. Does it frighten you? No, it's not that. Not at all. It's like what Ellie said about how it made her feel. Sad. That's what I'm feeling when I shut my eyes. Desperately sad. Come here. It's supposed to be me who has the psychic abilities. Did you not feel anything? I did feel something, yes. But it was that extraordinary colour that struck me so. Oh, it's so beautiful. Beautiful blue. Like a summer sky with all the stars shining in it. 
and then that amazing sound when it disappears. It's got a thousand butterflies. That's it. What's it? Will you go and fetch me my butterfly book? No, I won't. No, you won't? No, I'm not moving. I'm going to lie here like this until the morning chores tear me from your arms. And then I'll fetch you a butterfly book. Is that so? Big finish for the love of stories.